What I tell students is, you know, being a nurse is forever. It's like, the thing about being a nurse is when you leave work, you're still a nurse, you know? You're at home, you haven't worked in the hospital for a while, I've still got people calling me from all over the world, helping them in the middle of the night inject themselves with some. Thank you all for joining us for our latest episode of 90. We appreciate your support and we come to today's episode. Healthcare workers are the unsung heroes of our time, particularly now. We all remember hating our dentists, loving our primary care doctors, and looked up to our relatives in the healthcare industry. How did they get to where they are now, though? To answer that, we have brought in Laura El Shafay to talk to us about her own journey to becoming a nurse and what that means for her today. Thank you so much for joining us today, Laura. You're very welcome, and I appreciate you having me on. I look forward to our conversation. Yeah, as do we, as Joy is also here with us. And so, first question, what made you want to become a nurse? I started my journey in, um, I decided to become a nurse with the birth of my children. I said, wow, this is so cool. I want to help other women birth their babies. So before that, I was an anthropologist, archaeologist, linguist. And when I first went overseas for the first time and spent time in different parts of Africa and the Near and Middle East, I was doing um, archaeological digs and anthropological work and some linguistic work. But when I came back to the States and I got married and had my kids, I just thought it was the most beautiful thing. So I said, I'm going to go to nursing school. So <laughs> from there, I went to nursing school and I went straight into obstetrics because that's what I loved. I really thought I would love working with women who are pregnant and through childbirth and becoming new parents. And I did that for close to 20 years on and off for the first 10 exclusively. And then the next 10 on and off. And meanwhile, I started traveling abroad and became involved with nursing and medical relief and clinics um, in various countries, mostly in the Near and Middle East. I, I spent quite a few years in Egypt, in Algeria, and in the West Bank and Gaza working in refugee camps. So um, a travel nurse per se usually is when you, you travel somewhere with a nursing contract, and generally it's in the States. Many There are many nursing-type positions internationally. And then I guess you would be a travel nurse. But for me, I would get to my destination and then become, you know, find work as a nurse, meaningful, whether it mostly volunteer, mostly community service, work in refugee clinics or in local community clinics, in health education, working with refugee communities or just um, underserved communities, both here and um, internationally. So... I started out as a nurse because of my love of birthing babies, and it just blossomed from there. You know, I realized the beauty about nursing is that you may start out in one area that you love, and the more you learn. I learned that I love women's health. I learned that I loved reproductive health, so I became um, head of a, a large community reproductive health-based programs for, for underserved populations, which included... Um, working in schools, working in the prison system, 
Uh, I mean, we even, we even developed and started a program for incarcerated pregnant women so they could keep their babies in there in with them for the first year of life, you know, because we know how important it is for the baby to, for bonding purposes and such. So you just start branching off. I've worked in infertility. I've been a clinical, uh, research coordinator nurse. Uh, I've done a lot of different kinds of nursing. That's the beauty of nursing. And it takes you to a lot of places you probably never intended. When I was in high school, I wanted to be an ambassador. So I am sort of an ambassador now, but a different type of ambassador. Wow. That was incredible. It was like a whole list. I couldn't stop taking notes because I'm like, what? Nursing is beautiful because it's, it's well respected. And here, Henry, in the beginning in your, in your intro, you mentioned the importance of nursing, especially now. And most people recognize, um, the duty and the importance of the nursing professionals in our country. Although right now it's really difficult for nursing professionals. Uh, we're really pulling the weight. I also, right now, what I'm doing, because I believe in always giving, you know, always being involved and continuing, I work with the um, Alliance for International Women's Rights, and I mentor medical students in Afghanistan, virtually, of course. I meet with them once or twice a week, and uh, I help them with their medical English. I help them with terminology. I help them just understanding aspects of the medical field and how medicine and healthcare system works here in the United States. So you see, you can stay involved in so many ways. So amazing. And the story that that you've lived is so powerful and it's very much appreciated. There's so many different things that we could pull out, right? Along the way, you especially mentioned your work in Algeria and Egypt. How does nursing training and practices differ across nations and across cultures? The idea of nurse, this is from my experience, uh, the idea of nurse is different from country to country. Here in the United States, nurses wield a lot of clout. You know, our expertise, our experience, our knowledge is, for the most part, respected by the doctors and the other healthcare professionals that we work with. I know in some countries, <clears throat> nurse hasn't quite attained the same status as it has here. Uh, it's almost, in many countries, the idea of nurse is similar to how we might have been 30, 40, 50 years ago in the sense that um, we're, we were viewed as supportive, ancillary, helper kind of people, which we still are. But now we take a leadership role and we make a lot more decisions and our voices are valued very much. And I, I think it's becoming that way in other, in other, in other countries, but it's not quite on par. Uh, I will say working in under-resourced clinics in some of the countries I've been in, when you walk in, coming from here, you think, oh my gosh, they don't have this, they don't have that, they don't do this, they don't do that. I learned so much when I finally just shut my mouth and opened my eyes. I learned so much that sometimes in this country we've forgotten because we rely so heavily on the use of um, technology and machines to assess our patients. These healthcare practitioners are so 
adept and skillful and knowledgeable using their their five senses in diagnosing patients and also simple things like for example something like gonorrhea if you know all the symptoms say that then all the symptoms say that you're 99% sure that's what it is over there instead of wasting the money on an expensive test and waiting they would simply treat the patient on symptoms because we know that's what it most likely is. And it saved money, but it also it demonstrated their heightened acuity and, and heightened attention to symptoms and listening to patients. I learned an awful lot. Of course, there's a lot to be, you know, there's a, there's a lot to be improved upon, but we can certainly say that in this country. Our healthcare system is really a disease management system. It's not a healthcare and prevention system. So our focus is totally different. Long answer to your your question. Sorry. So can I chime in, Laura? So like, I'm just curious because what you just touched upon is very interesting because it's basically, and I agree too, because I thought about it. I thought nursing, I feel like we mostly just focus on the management and less on the symptoms. Like I actually did not know, like, you know, we're supposed to use our five senses because oftentimes we're so focused on other things other than what we're supposed to be studying. Um, and so like, what do you believe, um, or think, um, like the next generation is to focus on in the U S like, how can we integrate, um, like all the teachers that, the other countries that the other nurses in different countries are experiencing based on the equipments that they don't have. So like, how can we as like an industrialized nation and, you know, as a nation who has a lot, how can we utilize those skills? Well, you know, that would take, uh, that will take, I wouldn't say would, will, because we can make it happen. A more holistic educational and um, just overall community approach to healthcare. And I think in, in medical schools and nursing schools and other healthcare um, programs, there is that com- growing component of holistic care. And I think that's one way to get into it. The other thing is, our, and I don't have the numbers, I'm sorry, but, you know, our healthcare troops, our healthcare professionals in this country have a, there's a huge number of immigrants, um, professionals who are in our country, you know, who are practicing in our country. And that really benefits us because, um, they can bring their knowledge and their practice and their skills to their workplaces and show them to people. I remember really early on, I worked with this woman from South Africa who had been a certified, she was a certified nurse midwife in South Africa. And, you know, she had a really holistic approach, what you envision a nurse midwife should do, you know. But even in this country, many nurse midwives get get caught up in this management and technological dependence, and they forget the hands and the listening and the seeing and all of that. The, the, the touch. And she brought back to our unit. At first, everyone thought it was so strange and so exotic and so weird. But she taught us. She used to give little in-services about things that the nurse midwives would do in South Africa to ease a woman's pain in labor. 
and they weren't all related to necessarily the medications we give, giving injections, you know, hooking women up to all kinds of contraptions, right? And we learned from her. So I think if we can just be more accepting and enthusiastic about hearing about other ways, other means, and not be so dependent on our technology, um, it's a wonderful thing when it has to be. But something like childbirth is a natural process, and we've turned it into a medical disease practically, you know. And that's discouraging. That's discouraging. But my hope is it won't always be that way. My hope is that, I mean, we can always change. We're not static. So that's good. That goes back to one of the movies that they showed us in our OB um, clinicals. Um, It was like what Pitocin was doing to the baby in utero. And I thought, like, the animation was just so important. So I'm like, yeah, the midwives were doing such a such an amazing job. And here the doctors were, you know, given Pitocin just for dilation. It should be a natural process. But I know we had that conversation before. Yeah, for the most part, yeah, it should be. I, we, we should never let go of that, that this is a natural process, you know. But we just have to change our healthcare system a little bit here. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of this perspective with in other, maybe more resource poor countries, focusing mm-hmm. more on the person themselves rather than on having these other interventions and pulling them in. How has those kinds of experiences influenced the way that you interact with the students that you work with? Because you said that you now help with student success for nursing students. Yes. So a number of our students have come from um, other countries and they have a healthcare background, you know, and I query them. I query them all the time. You know, they have so much to offer, but unless sometimes, unless people are asked, they won't feel comfortable enough or confident enough to share their wisdom. So I ask students, and then when I hear from others that have been nurses or radiologists or professors, you know, we've had some students in our school of nursing that come for, come here for school and they've been economists in the governments of their country. They've been, you know, in all these different fields. And I always pick their brains. Always, you know, it's because I learn. And then when I learn and listen and hear, sometimes I pass it along to the other students. I, you know, I just about, you know, open, open their mind and help them see another way of how things are done. That's so lovely, uh, especially with how earlier you mentioned you, the mentoring work you're doing with nurses in Afghanistan. And mm-hmm. education is supposed to be this interactive process. And I really hope that the the mentoring program that you're doing is encouraging that sort of um, collaboration and acceptance of the different values found in nursing that are held in each of the cultures so that it's moving it forward in general, right? Because, I mean, we hear so much about a desire to standardize things. And on one hand, I mean, standardization isn't too bad because it makes things easier, right? I mean, it makes it easier for me to say that if I'm here and I go somewhere else that I know what this is like, but standardization shouldn't necessarily hamper progress, I feel like, and it shouldn't take out the different nuanced aspects of it. Um, and it was interesting how you were just talking about your love for the United States 
and your desire to want it to be a better place. And I feel like that's what we do with the things we love. I mean, we, we have such high standards for them. And so it's just like when they're not meet, meeting it, even if it's ourselves, um, there's just this frustration that comes out of it as well. And I think probably most people feel that about their country. You know, there's, there's things we're very aggravated about. We don't like, but there's that, that love. But just when you get a whole world perspective, I think it even makes you appreciate your country even more, you know? So I think that's good. You said something, Henry, that made me think. So when you were saying about, you know, um, having everybody be standardized. I worked in clinical research for, for quite a few years and I worked in international, like I worked in trials that were um, being conducted internationally. So one thing that's interesting is trying to get, there's some professions and some projects that you do where uh, standardization is pretty important. And one is in like human subject protections, for example. And from country to country, the idea of that might vary, you know, and giving informed consent. You know, in countries, the idea of informed consent isn't just singular one person who decides. The whole family might decide because that's how the culture is, you know. Hard for an American to accept, you know, that to give informed consent, you also need the consent of the entire family. But that's how that culture works, you know, and that's what will make the the subject, the person participating in the trial, feel more comfortable, you know. So when you're working in international trials internationally, for example, you have to make some accommodation and understanding of how things um, are different, how cultures will shape responses to to informed consent processes, but there has to be some level of standardization, you know, do no harm to anyone, things like this. So you're right, but when you've got such a variety of cultures and opinions and beliefs and such, it, you have to you have to just really open your eyes and pay attention. Absolutely. Um, so then I'm going to ask like one question that I feel like every, like is on every nurse's mind or nurse's mm-hmm. student's mind. Um, who may or may not know, like, what is, like, their path, like, what is their calling or their purpose. So how would you, you know, say or how would you put, you know, a question like that? How would you, you know, say, follow your gut or, you know, you just have to kind of make a little, it's hard to put into words because so many people have asked me, like, how do you know if it's right for you? Okay, so, you know, as a nursing student, some people, as you know, some people come into nursing school and they know, like me, I knew the only thing I ever wanted to do was to help women birth their babies. And that's what I started out doing, but I ended up doing so much more. Other students come in, come in not knowing, having not having any idea of what they want to do as far as nursing goes. And some students actually are ready to leave nursing school and still don't have quite an idea correct? But what I tell students is, you know, being a nurse is forever. It's the thing about being a nurse is when you leave work, you're still a nurse. You know, you're at home, you haven't worked in the hospital for a while. I've still got people calling me from all over the world, helping them in the middle of the night, inject themselves with something. You know, I mean, there's, there's, you never stop being a nurse. So I think what I like to tell students is, you know, don't worry about if your first job is 
it is the one that's going to be you and where you're going to head, you know, in the direction for the rest of your life. It's not, it may not be like that. Take a job that you think you like right now. Take a job that, you know, and you have to think of other factors. Is it in a hospital that I, I have a good feeling about? Is it a hospital that's near me, if that's important to you? Are the hours the right hours for me? Because you know nursing, Joy, and nursing can be 24-7, right? So really, it's not just exactly. initially finding the place that you want most and you think this is where you're going to be. That's important. But you also have to think of the other factors. You know, how far am I willing to travel? How will this impact my family, my social life, my this, my that? Which hours can I tolerate working? You know, kind of thing. You can, the beauty about nursing again is that in a year or two, if you decide this isn't for me, you apply for a nursing job somewhere else. And now you have already a good, good background in doing simple, basic nursing care, right? So you can branch out. Or maybe you find, I love this area. I think I want to specialize even more. Or I think I want to stay right here where I am. It makes me happy. I feel like I'm making a difference. So there's a variety of options that can happen. And I think unlike maybe some other professions, in nursing, you don't have to make the right choice the first time, you know. You can move on. You can make changes. Every single experience you have adds to your resume, adds to your breadth of experience, and can help you figure out what you do and do not like. Such valuable advice, um, and not just for nursing, but for any profession. Uh, and it's something that um, I hope that anyone listening really kind of takes in for themselves. And is there any other um, major advice that you'd like to give to either nursing students who are just about to graduate or newly graduated nursing students? Yes, you know, I know because of the times we live in with COVID-19 and the uncertainties about um, the health of our country, I think you need to really dig deep inside and do what you think is right for you and your family as far as finding the right job for you now, um, I think you need to know that it is a process and you're going to be a nurse for years. So again, if you, if you are really concerned or your family prohibits you from, you know, your family situation prohibits you from getting the job you think you should have or the job you thought you wanted, it's okay to start in something else for now. These are really trying times. So, you know, do look at the whole overall picture. You'll be a nurse, like I said, forever. So, so just do what works for you right now. Um, many students right now, many third and fourth semester students especially, are a bit worried about getting into the being let loose into the nursing field, the nursing profession, feeling like maybe they haven't had enough person-to-person -person clinical experience in the hospital because of COVID. We've, um, our, our clinical experience, uh, the clinical experiences the students are getting this semester and next semester will be, is a little, is reduced a little bit from what their clinical experience has been in the past for in-person clinical experience. That is being, um, supplement, that's being, um, 
the, taking the place of that is virtual simulation experiences and simulation lab and such. Please know that the hospitals in Maryland are fully aware of what your experience is right now as nursing students and are aware of your concerns. And so every hospital, the Maryland Board of Nursing requires every hospital in Maryland to have a nurse residency program, some sort of nurse residency program when you get out of nursing school to help you through the transition. There's some didactic portion of it. You know, there'll be a little um, workshop session kind of things, maybe skill sessions, and then you, you work and do your job on the floor and such. With COVID, they're, they, because they understand that students may be a little more concerned because they haven't had the, the the same number of direct patient care hours, they'll take that into consideration in your residency program. They are well aware that the, the schools of nursing, the hospitals, and the board, the Maryland Board of Nursing are working together to try and figure out how to make that transition as smooth as possible for nursing students. And that's what I'd like students to know. So I have a quick question on that. Um, in your opinion, how long do you think a nurse residency should be? Because I know like you with your preceptors for some are with your preceptors for like three months or so, mm -hmm. like in your opinion, or would you believe um, should be a good amount of time to be with the preceptor for learning? Well, you know, uh, so like the residency program itself, how long the residency program should be? So I know some are a year, some are two years. Usually mm -hmm. they say two years on a contract. But in terms of being with the preceptor, some mm -hmm. people are with their preceptors until three months and then they're working as nurses by themselves until that um, that year is or that contract is over. Right. Um, so like in your opinion, how long should you be working with? You know, I think that really depends on the type of unit student the the new nurse is in uh how confident the new nurse feels after a certain amount of time you know there's just like in nursing school you'll have checkoff lists and skills that you'll need to have demonstrated that you're competent in doing you'll be having discussions with your nurse lead nursing leadership on the unit or in your preceptor and there'll come a time when they know when you're ready to go Unfortunately, in this day and time, with the shortage of nurses and such, the, the, the first thought is probably to have you get off of orientation as soon as possible, you know? And that's when nurse, uh, new, the new nurse needs to really look at what the hospital policies are, the board of nursing policies are, and if they are not comfortable doing that, they need to let, they need to let their nurse leadership of the, of the unit know, you know? Um, Sometimes it's hard to let go of your preceptor, you know. It's hard to let go and fly solo. But they will know. They will see if they think that you're ready, you know. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of confidence of actually having to do it on your own for you to realize that you can do it on your own, you know. So there's a little bit of that in there, too. Yeah, but what if, okay, so what if, because we have students who get worse preceptors that they just feel like they're just treated awfully. We just studied, we studied, um, nursing bullying last week. And so that kind of factors in, um, cause I mean, yes, the attachment is kind of like being attached to a newborn baby. Um, you just don't want to let them go, but sometimes you just don't have that good preceptor to kind of back you up. Yes. 
nursing is a tough field, as you know. Nurses, they develop a toughness, you know, and you kind of have to, I guess. Um, but you never, it would be awful if, if you, if you gave up on your basic, you know, jovial, happy self, for example, joy, you know? Um, and bullying is not, and there are, there's, there, there's research that has been done, and you said you did a sec, a section in about bullying in the nursing profession and such. That's something that seriously has to be addressed. And so again, if you find yourself in that position, then you do need to find some kind of ally. Some person who's an ally who can you feel supported by, but you also need to use the appropriate channels. If it's the point where you're actually being bullied and it's affecting how you feel and or your work, then you need to you need to not be afraid. You need to be brave to take the appropriate channels, which you know are in the policies and the guidelines of the of the hospital. If you're talking about impracticum now, then that's something that needs to be shared with. Um, with your professors, it shouldn't be something that's allowed, even though I know it's hard because you're trying to get through this, you're trying to get a good grade, you're trying to survive it, right? But there is a point where that's not acceptable. If somebody's beginning to feel like they are being bullied or um, things are not quite right, or if there's been some kind of microaggressions or anything like that, document, document, document. Every single incident, write it down, day and time, day and time. And then when you feel like you have enough and you're comfortable, then you approach your professor. You can approach me. You can approach, you know, you can always say something. You know, you can say something to the mentor at some point, you know, that, you know, that makes me feel this. And then you document that too. But bottom line is know that there's someone who can help you and support you. There's even a, a, there's, I think um, you might have heard this the other day, but there's even a, a, UMB has a support line, for example, or a reporting line, for example. The important thing, though, is it, it does take some bravery, but the bravery you have to muster up can't be as bad as how badly it makes you feel. So just remember that. Um, and that there are people that are willing to, to support you and help you figure out how to maneuver through that whole process. Does that help? It does. It does. Thank okay. you. The sense of community um, mm-hmm. that you're speaking about is its so wonderful. Bullying anywhere is, is never to be tolerated. And um, it's wonderful that you've shared about ways to kind of go about that. There's someone there to listen. And so as a final question, um, you've talked about the wonderful experiences that you've had in so many different places. If you had to pick one place where you would just spend the rest of your career, Ooh, that's a good where one. would you pick and why? Well, okay, one place where I'd spend the rest of my career or one place that I would like to live and work. I want to oh. go back to Egypt. I belong in Egypt. But... I love what I'm doing now. It's probably my, out of all, I've had so many jobs and I've loved almost all of my jobs, but I absolutely love what I'm doing now. I love working with the nursing students. They are such a wonderful, gifted, committed group of people. And I learn way more from my students than I do from 
faculty or other people I work with, every single day I learn something from the students. And um, it just makes me so grateful to have this job. So I love this place, this job, but I'd love to be living in Egypt. I'll take me with you. Okay. Well, no, you're going to go set up your, you're going to go set up your clinic and I'll come and I'll come and volunteer at your clinic. <laughs> Joy. That would be lovely. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that in a heartbeat. Oh, thank you. Yeah, making career moves out here. There we go. Thank See, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today, Laura. We really appreciate your time. You're very welcome. I love the conversation. That's nice. We'll keep it going. Amen. All right, Joyce, so what's happening at USG? All right, Henry, thank you very much. Okay, so after our last student town hall meeting, which I led as the VP of the USG Student Council, um, I would just like for students to really be aware of the services that are really at USG that can really aid in student successes. And here they go. So it's going to be a lot. So please bear with me for a second. All right. So you got CSEP, the Center for Student Engagement and Financial Resources. You have CCC, the Center for Counseling and Consultation. You have CISD, a lot of C's here. You have Career and Internship Services Center. You have GSA, which is the Graduate Student Association. You have CRC, which is the Campus Rec Center. And lastly, CAS, which is the Macklin Center for Academic Success. So as you can see, folks, we got a lot of services here to really aid in your success. We really want y'all to be successful. We want y'all to really enjoy the process here at USG. So don't be afraid to reach out if you ever need any help. Um, and yeah, that's it from me. Back to you, Henry. Thank you very much, Joy. And shout out to all those resources that she just mentioned to you all. So we have three events that we really want to get in. Um, the PSA Fall Food Drive is being held in collaboration with Gaithersburg Help, which is a local food pantry. And the way that they're doing it is that they have two drop-off days, which is Saturday, November 28th and Saturday, December 5th from 2 to 4 p.m. in front of Gaithersburg Help which is at 301 Muddy Branch Road, Gaithersburg, Maryland. And if you're not feeling comfortable buying your goods and dropping them off in person, they also have a Venmo option where you can email them what you'd like them to buy for you. Uh, and then from there, they can send you back your receipt and you'd also Venmo them your money. So just to make sure that with like transparency and everything and find out more information which on the flyer, which is on the USG Weekly. We also have the International Day of Disabilities, which is on December 3rd from 3 to 4 p.m. And it's where you can learn about different disabilities, hear from a panel of students and staff about their life with a disability, learn and discuss different terminology, and learn about how you can raise disability awareness. And last but not least, we have a new service, Grover Essentials To Go. As you all know, Grover Essentials is a wonderful service where they they help out those members in our community that need a, a bit more um, to kind of get them through the times. And so this to-go option is where you can come pick up a pre-made bag full of non-perishable food and toiletries at the campus. And it is available to all USG students, faculty, and staff and sign up for a pickup time slot today. And that is also found on your USG Weekly. 
So uh, we've also brought in Awa. Thank you for joining us today as well. Hello. Hi, my name is Awa. I'm actually the current co-president of UMANS right now. Technically, every single nursing student is a member of UMANS. Not the board, but just uh, members. My first semester as co-president. And what are you doing in that role now? So right now, um, COVID has just made all the projects that we would usually do for the semester um, just very inactive because a lot of them is interaction with the campus and all the other schools on the campus. So we're trying to make sure they get their senior gifts, they get their raffles, we're providing um, panels for them, just little support, supportive um, things for them. Yeah, you mans, they do such an amazing job. I mean, yeah, with COVID, it's very unfortunate that, like, we're not getting the same opportunity um, as, like, it was on campus. But I would say, like, my favorite thing that I love with, with participating in UMANS is doing the uh, mentor-mentee. Usually, it would be, like, a mentor-mentee dinner. Um, and uh, you just pair up with the new nursing student. Like, they're fresh off the boat. They have all the energy. I'm going to do this. And then, bam. They are hit with like the toughest courses they've ever taken. And then they feel like the whole world is crumbling down. So I just love that yeah. we get to be like, a, what did you say, Awa? I said that's that you described me perfectly in first semester. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. So it's like you have like a role model, someone you can kind of vent and um, ask all these ideas that you can like improve in your nursing um, journey. And I, I, I commend whoever thought of that. Um, it's it's a great um yeah um emotional support the mentors are just very because they've been where you are and they're coming from you know very similar the exact place that you are in and they probably felt everything that you're feeling so they're great when it comes to emotional support because not a lot of people nursing school is very different from any other major yeah and so what kinds of things do you enjoy typically tell your mentees so this year I didn't officially have a mentee, but I do have a couple first semesters that um, will come up to me and ask me questions. Usually I try to tell them, don't be afraid to switch it up and try something new. Nursing school is very different from the prerequisites we take to get in. So a lot of times you'll have to think differently, you'll have to study differently, and you really have to adapt um, in, in a timely fashion in, in order to not fall behind. And so last semester, it was actually like my first time getting a mentee. And so my other colleague, Mahela, she's also the student council um, secretary and also the representative for UMB. So we um, we got lucky. We got paired with two um, incredible mentees. Um, we still keep in touch with them till this day. I mean, I'm pretty sure they have. Um, other mentees as well if they requested um, new mentees but you know we still keep in touch with them um, we check in on them to see how they're doing um, they literally texted us like last week saying um, you know Messer just kind of being a butt but at the same time they were just <laughs> really happy to be in the program and so just like having to hear how they're progressing and like how we can give them our notes to study like all of these things they're really adapting from um, this semester, um, I was very happy to also get paired with another mentee. Um, she's fantastic. Um, I love her to pieces. Um, and so we just get to really 
just meet new 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 nursing students who are just willing um and just very curious and so we just gotta you know mentees are for life so as long as they know i'm here it's all that matters absolutely yeah i'm i'm still friends with my mentor to this day and sometimes i forget that she started off as my mentor we're just such great friends now and i mean that's it's awesome because like in our last episode we talked to Kimberly Gomez from Biological Sciences at UMD and she was also talking about how uh, there is they have a mentor program as well and so it's fantastic that for these programs that are a little more intensive in terms of the amount of material that you're taking in that there is someone out there kind of looking out for them as well and so I suppose not necessarily for this semester because it's we're almost done now but especially for next semester, what kinds of goals do you, do you have for humans and what kinds of things would you really like to see come out of it? So one thing that we really want to do is have a panel, um, have a panel of nurses, especially nurses that graduated during the pandemic, nurses that have been in the field for a long time to sort of answer any questions that any of the students might have, um, just to give them a glimpse of what it would be like working during COVID, graduating during COVID. Um, so we're more geared towards more supportive things. Um, a lot of fundraisers. Uh, we really, oh, one thing we really want to emphasize because the pandemic, it, it's annoying in terms of making everything inconvenient, but it can also take a, it's sad that you work very, this is a very difficult degree and you want to have your day. When you graduate, it's sad that you can't walk. So we're really trying to lift the senior graduating senior spirits, make sure they get the best senior gift they can have, and really just keep their spirits up towards the end of their journey. And if I might add on to that, um, just listening to what like our conversation with Laura and also listening to um, what Awa had to say as well, I think it would be really fantastic if, you know, like Ella mentioned, UMens is for every nursing student. The boards are just to figure out ways that we can make UMens beneficial to all. And yeah. so I'm thinking, you know, like, I feel like a fantastic thing that we, like, could be on our goal um, is to really figure out, you know, those, like, students who already have, like, a different perspective or, like, another degree in a different country. You know what I mean? Like, those mm-hmm. who are bringing their skills, those, I mean, not even a, in a different country. It could be, like, in the U.S. as well. Um, but if they could really bring their, expert, like, expertise, like, maybe we could do, like, a presentation on something that, you know, they've experienced that they've done that's changed their lives and how, you know, moving forward, like, a practice that these nursing students can utilize before we leave. Um, nursing school, I think our next target audience, um, will just try and focus on that, like connectivity, um, between the students. So, so just this one being an inclusive thing, just being on the USG campus where we can just focus mm-hmm. on our nursing students, I think they would benefit more from it than, you know, going somewhere where they don't want to be. Um, and this is, I mean, it can be voluntary, um, you know, come as you wish and just share and then yeah. we can figure out where to move from there. And I applaud the idea that you've both brought up um, for uh, for what you want to do with UMens. Um, it's so wonderful that you're doing so many different things and that the University of Maryland Baltimore is being represented in its own way. 
And so, are there any last things you'd like to bring up about humans before we close out? Um, yes. So, humans is a wonderful organization. We do a lot of care for our nursing. We look out for our nursing students. We try our best to make their journey through nursing school as fun and as participative as possible. Um, just so you don't just get the COVID aspect, we do a lot more when the semester is in full effect. We have a blood drive. We do fundraisers with jackets for the nursing students. Um, we also have, um, as, as we mentioned before, the mentor-mentee. Um, we also do a lot of our community um, branch also does a lot of fun volunteer work. So we do a lot. You may just so sad that COVID has just not allowed us to do a lot of things that we would usually do. But I encourage you to join. There are always, there's always a slot that opens. And if you want to work your way up next throughout the semester, you can do that. And, you know, yeah, to add on to what Awa just said, shout out to Carmen. Um, she's fantastic. And, um, you know, she's always talking about winning stellar awards. I'm like, dang, this, this organization is so incredible. Um, and so like I applaud like her work and, and trying to really put humans together. Um, it was like, yeah, it was like a whole new thing for her last semester having to work with her, but her, um, her adapting was, was very incredible to, um, to witness. So yeah, just shout out to nursing students. You know, y'all just made it this far. You just got to push through and, and make things work. Yeah. Love that. Thank you. Thank yep. you so much for giving us some of your time today, Awa. And thank you for sharing for as well, me. Joy, about it. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I so said thank you for having me. And on that note, thank you all so much for joining us today. Feel free to use the voice message feature on Anchor, as well as leaving reviews wherever you're listening to 9T from, to provide any questions, comments, or suggestions for things you'd like to see in this podcast. And you can tune in to us via several places where you normally find your podcasts, including Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. And follow us on our social media pages on Instagram and Twitter at USG, the number 9T, as well as on the Facebook group at 9T Podcast USG. And we'll catch you next time on 9T.